1: Okay. We were both at the Fan Expo in Cleveland this yes. weekend. What were your highlights? What did you like? There were a lot of things. First of all, if
0: anybody listening doesn't know what Fan Expo is, it's what used to be called Wizarding World here, but they disappeared and Wizard got World. bought. whatever. Yeah. A Wizard World, right. yes.
1: Right.
0: It's a convention. It's a fan convention. And and
1: it's, it's like even Wizard World is based on the Comic-Cons of old until... <laughs> san diego yes. asserted its claim to the term comic-con and so now yes. new york and chicago and maybe there's a couple others that could be grandfathered in but they don't now they're branding anew with various different things right and especially because it's no longer just comics it's everything yeah it's harry potter and it's professional wrestling and it's anime and it's uh lots of tv and movies and all that kind of stuff and it's but it, it's right along our lines. It's a run, this geekery fest. They have yes. every single type of fan base covered.
0: And you and I mentioned that too because we're old enough <clears throat> to remember uh, yeah. when a comic convention was like an old swap meet like for car parts or electronics. I mean, you've been to plenty of electronic uh, stuff where it was really cool back in the 90s right? with all the exactly. parts and stuff. Yeah. Knew-
1: and the, the show floor was nothing but comic books. And this is before they didn't have whole bookstores full of graphic novels and stuff yeah. like that. This was box after box of comic books, most of them not slabbed or at some graded, but in like plastic bags and with the dealer's grading. Back when the Overstreet Guide is what lets you know what the difference was between mint near mint very fine etc etc but it was nowhere near the the precision that cgc and cbcs and others now have right specific okay
0: so it's totally different so like you said it's a geeky nerdy fan thing but there's a lot of it's more pop culture now there's because of the mcu a large part of drew people in people that didn't use to oh comic books superheroes those are for kids Wow, Iron Man is so freaking cool! It's the exactly. finish a day song. Now I'm the one that's cool. We were just yeah. thirty years ahead of our time.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so, really, it's it is a celebration like that. Where and it isn't just comic books. It's every kind of subculture. Star Wars yeah. started to get big in 1977, but previous to that, science fiction conventions were also. Like stereotypically, pretty nerdy, pretty geeky. The it was wow, probably ninety percent guy. You know what I mean? It wasn't until you started to have various other things on a man manga, or especially cosplay, has entered into it in a big way. Where a lot of people don't just want to uh, read about it; they kind of want to become it. That's a little, and so as people have gotten better and better. And, and materials and uh, the ability to do it has gotten better and better. It used to be that you had really had to be a seamstress or that you had to cobble something together. And now with foam materials, with 3D printing, yeah man, there were some amazing costumes there. Integrated electronics, the little Cylon back and forth, you know, where the LED lights. I went to a Hobby
0: were- Lobby that had a whole section for cosplay stuff.
1: See, so- that's pretty cool. Please go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh- No, no, please
1: finish. Yeah. A big part of the con is also there's a lot of cosplay now. This one was the first time I'd seen it where, because they know they have all different kinds of fandoms there, instead of having cosplayers roaming the show floor... And then a big costume parade, usually on Saturday night, it's like, you know, the, the, the highlight of the thing, they actually had gatherings for each of the various different cosplays. And so you get all the Marvel characters, and then all the Harry Potter characters, and then all the um, video game, and not even, you know, only video game, very specific ones that are um, quite popular, the Final Fantasy, or the Overshock or whatever else it might be. and that meeting that for half hour 45 minutes and seeing that concentration if you were the person that everybody's snapping pictures of everybody else and in fact i think that built into the ticket at least the sign as you come in says um you entering this thing means you pretty much give blanket permission for people to take pictures of you because i don't know before i'm i'm still relatively polite in terms of hey can i get a snapshot because i don't want to get them a bad shot i want to get them where they can pose and, and present themselves as the best and especially if they're wearing something that is i don't know i don't want to be a dirty old man and looking at pretty cosplayers and, and hearing right. about it i really want to be wow you look great can i get a picture and it's the appreciation for the talent of their costumery and and the fact that some guys are in great shape and some gals are in great shape and the costume is portraying that i don't want it to be that's yeah. like a loss of innocence to me about the comic-con and i'm not sure that everybody else is there is like that there's all kinds of people that are loving the fact that there's uh a lot of uh steel yep. bikinis a la hey, Rent, so. exactly exactly you know so, so
0: so that's the setting if you've never been to one and i was only there sunday you were there all weekend i felt sunday wasn't jam-packed I've been to New York Comic-Con where it was like wall-to-wall, sucking your gut, trying to walk past people all the day long. This uh, did not feel that claustrophobic on Sunday, which was nice.
1: Yeah, I didn't get um, a number for attendance for the weekend, but we had grown, I think, two years ago. Um, three years ago, before COVID clamped down, I think that the Cleveland Comic Con was up to like thirty thousand people over the course of the weekend, and that might you know San Diego Comic Con is a hundred thousand, and they like Hall H, a, a stadium-sized room where that's where the really big presentations. We're going to premiere the next Jurassic Park movie or the next right. Thor or whatever else it might be, and this the some of the rooms were big enough to handle I don't know hundreds of people, but not thousands, and. Um, A lot of what goes on is not only, of course, the show floor with all the wares, they have presentations, they have interviews with various different TV personalities, uh, comic, like, Wow. So I attended a lot of those because I really, it's funny, I don't know that I like the behind the scenes, how the show was made type stuff, but I like meeting the performers and finding out, so hey, what music do you listen to on your headphone before you go out and give that great performance and stuff like that? Wow. I listened to Mark Shepard from Supernatural, Crowley. I listened to, and many other things. He's in Doom Patrol now. I listened to Katie Sackhoff from second version of Battlestar Galactica and Longmire, which so she actually crosses genres, if you will. Let's see. uh, Michael Rooker, who is crazy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What'd you
0: think of him? What'd you think of Rooker?
1: I saw him one time before and he really was almost assaultive to the fans. Anybody that would ask the questions that they've been asked a thousand times before he's lost his patience with, Hey, what was your favorite episode of this show or this movie? And so he really is dismissive of those, but he's very kind to children and he really doesn't just sit up on the stage. He he wanders around the room and interacts with people and gives everybody a chance to get a photo, not a posed like selfie type thing where it seems almost greedy on the part of the fan, but he's very playful while also having no tolerance for idiots. Yes. I, so it's a very interesting combination. You know what I mean? makes the, people up their games about what they're going to ask. <laughs> right.
0: In the early days of uh, Walking Dead, the TV show, him and Maggie and Nicotero and one of the writers did a thing up at the Cleveland Playhouse. And I got tickets, yeah. took Colin. He was very excited. He had his Daryl vest on, his <laughs> necklace of ears that I got him, And it, it, we got done and we looked at each other We're like, wow, Ricker was an a-hole. He, he took over the whole thing, uh, like interrupted people talking and said, hey, I want to get a picture and laid down on the stage to get a picture of just him and the other actors. And uh, it was just <laughs> antics and stuff. And it's, in a way, I was very upset and disappointed. I'm like, I paid a lot of money to hear all of you guys, not just to watch Rooker act like a jackhole on stage.
1: So right. I was a little
0: right. eh, up with him. So I was curious what you thought. So who yeah. else
1: did you see? So see. I love voice artists. And so I saw Roger Bumpus, who does Squidward and many others. I saw Robbie Paulson, who does the Animaniacs. And one more, I don't want to forget, the guy who does. Oh, boy, why am I not thinking? It'll come to me. But the, the fascinating thing about that is that they really can come in and out of voices so amazingly quickly, like Robin Williams level quick, and to hear... They usually have a long career as a voice artist, your body doesn't wear out, so you can't be the last action hero anymore. So they've been around for 30, 40 years and they're in from 70s animation and 90s and yeah. you know 2010s, and various different people have their favorites. So to, to who's the guy that does uh bender? Futurama. Uh, yes. and, and so but hearing them drop in and out of those characters, and especially like when they start doing they do a lot of the voices on the show and they'll start doing a whole scene where they're all the characters. And to be able to see that split personality bup, 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 you're going back and forth and almost over-talking each other, but it's like only one guy in one mouth. There's amazing talent going on there. Yeah. And I just love that. And, and to hear their stories, the behind the scenes stories of you know, these guys, of course, have worked with many other people. They're the behind the scenes voice actor, but they'll also have i worked on the batman animated series and so of course i met mark who does luke skywalker right. and, uh, and some people like kevin conroy who did batman the animated series he's not actually known outside of that but a lot of people say that's the best batman animated series he right. does the best voice you know what i mean so hey, it's
0: funny you mentioned conroy because i sat in on a talk by a phd psychologist Has written a a whole series of books for all sorts of pop culture, Star Trek, Star Wars, Supernatural. And it was a supernatural convention or talk um about the psychology of the show and the fans. And I I, I got a few too many books, I must say, but (laughs) it was really funny because when he did Batman, he did a panel and Kevin Conroy was on it. And Batman started Conroy started calling him Doc and then Adam West actually gave up doing some other panel to sit on the panel with this guy and do a, a thing with him. So they all started calling him Doc. He, it's really cool when you walk into a room and Batman says, hey,
1: Doc, how you doing? I, I thought a couple from him as well, not the supernatural one, but I, and my name is Travis Langley. Travis Langley, yes. Exactly. And so, so shout out for him. He has, I think he mentioned 13 books, and he is sometimes the um, sole author, sometimes the main author, but also he's an anthologizer where many people working in the field are talking about, and sometimes it's the analysis of the characters, and of course, if the character Batman has had an 80-year career, there's all different kinds of versions presented by the various different writers, artists, and so they talk about the innocence of the 40s and 50s, gave way to the more gritty 60s and 70s, and things like that he really knows his stuff. And and so it was no matter, he's one of those guys that no matter which of his books, no matter what of the, any of the topics he's talking about, I want to be there. I want to hear the insights he has. I, I didn't, I have two of his books already and I didn't buy any of his at the con, but I'm pretty sure that I can find them via Amazon or by writing to him. He's a professor at Henderson State University, Texas. which I think is far North Texas, like bordering on Oklahoma. And how cool that, and, and in fact, funny as we we were going to do a podcast i've done talks there in the past it's very cool to actually not have only celebrity kiss-ups or those kinds of things it's actually very nice to hear what's the history of the animation medium what's the psychology of comic books or those kinds of things yes. that comic books are an art form they're a medium uh, they deserve the same kind of attention and analysis and i don't know They've penetrated our culture. A little you know, bit more knows. respect
0: than they used to get.
1: And, and I just love that, that they, uh, of course, what does he talk about with Batman is how much of this is PTSD? That when they look at what kinds of, why does he have this obsession for vengeance? Why will he not use a gun? A lot of that is based on the, the classic characteristics, if you will, of there's either uh, avoidance of certain circumstances, because that's what he went through, or his embrace of that because they're trying to break through what traumatized him in the first place. Anyway, it real a level above. It wasn't just, hey, how tight was that costume? It really was much more interesting. And thoughts to carry away with you were like, while I'm reading this, I'm enjoying it. But I've had those thoughts about this writer doesn't get the character. It doesn't ring true for all that they've built up of why Wonder Woman is as she is, or why, especially the various different heroes, that they've very much humanized them. DC versus Marvel especially. DC were always they're gods first, and they also have an alter ego, uh, uh, a secret identity. Very great. Uh, Marvel was like, a, a guy named, I went to a cool panel about writing and how to break into the industry, and Brian Azzarello said, Marvel built their characters from the flaws. Of, and that's a really good analysis that uh, Iron Man is a perfect guy. He's actually a ruthless businessman. He has heart problems. He's an alcoholic. And despite that, he's a great hero. And same with Thor's... Peter over over, we, we weaning pride and peter he's a messed up nerdy high school kid it's all of a sudden with great power comes great responsibility and he's never had to deal with anything like that before he's right. been coddled by his aunt may and uncle ben so and if anything bullied yeah. flash thompson and that whole going through the angst of high school instead of it being uh the kid sidekick It was, he's the main character. And it really is, am I going to fight this criminal? Am I going to study for the exam? Because I got to keep my grades up. (laughs) (laughs) Where did my left slipper go for my costume? (laughs) Like that. he's uh, Some of the way in which Peter makes money is he takes pictures of himself at various different scenes. But where are you going to fit that camera in your costume? So then you have to web it up somewhere. And his webbing solution Drives, but then only has a certain life. And right. so it's like, when is that going to fall off the wall and fall 10 stories? And like they were Marvel Stan Lee was very clever at injecting all those day to day problems. I i swung all the way to the other side of Manhattan and now I got to swing back or something because I can't just get on the subway. Boy, I'm mean? tired. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Exactly. So I loved those talks you know, where they were yeah. so a little bit of analysis of the various different shows or the various different comics and stuff like that. Um, And and
0: that is one of the things that has changed. And I think a lot of people that talk to us, listen to this podcast, whatever are similar and the geeky and the, what their, how their brain works. There's a lot of people that go to these because, Oh my God, William Shatner's there. I've got to stand in line for three and a half hours to get a one, two second picture and an autograph that he'll never remember my face. To so a lot of people, that's what they go to these for. And there was a walled-off area. The celebrities were there. It's $60. It's $100 to stand in line and, and get a quick picture and autograph with them. And then you're on your way. And that's what some people go in to do. And I I, I don't understand that thinking. because we
1: are so much in line. <laughs>
0: yeah, It's like the people that will go to a, a park, they'll pay to go to Cedar Point and stand in line. And, hey, I got to ride three roller coasters today. That was all you did? Uh, Why the hell would
1: you do that? (laughs) 50 rides here. Why not go in the the, the lesser ones, but 10 of them, 20 of them instead. That absolutely, when I've been to the San Diego Comic-Con, which I mentioned is just amazing, 100,000 people, I think I saw two things in Hall H. And it usually was like where, where they were lesser. I don't know if you put anything in Hall H that's lesser. I went there because I didn't have to sit there, not only if the line goes out of the convention and outside, and thank God the weather is beautiful in San Diego, because it's like, wow, I can sit here for three hours, as you said, or I can go meet tons of cool people at Artist Alley. I can go to three other programs. And that's the
0: thing. They did have a smaller line uh, of artists and writers, and then they had a whole area with Artist Alley area and stuff, and they're not a list celebrities they're not the the bigger names and when we've discovered like Grell, colin was so excited to go meet Grell. you said the same thing that here's a booth hardly anyone's standing there so while they're in line for three hours you're talking to this amazing creator of some of the best comics you've and you're talking to him he remembers colin from another con and you hear things and gilbert was there who helped draw some elric and we've got p craig russell right here in kent that we've seen a couple times so these artists get missed and they're the the lifeblood they're the really amazing ones that people overlook and that's a shame but that leaves it open for us
1: (laughs) exactly like totally echo what you're saying the the very first thing that i did when i got there i go to the show floor and i'm relatively systematic let's go left and go aisle by aisle right mike grell and jeff i think let's see messer meller his his editor at masterstroke the new publishing scene they put together they were there at a back table nobody had reached them yet and i had a wonderful half hour conversation because of course i had to gush over i i loved your john sable freelance i loved warlord i loved green arrow which is what most people probably know him for because that's the most extreme i loved his early work on legion of superheroes and as i was like throwing out what i always try to do is not just say oh gosh i love you but more like um, enough to let him know that I really read all of them, that I've always appreciated them, that I really saw what had gone before. And for instance, besides uh, John Sable Freelance, he also had a series called Star Slayer when yeah. it was like the, some of the very first independent comics, first comics. And he broke away early from the Marvel and DC studio system, if you will, to go with those independents. And I hope that has been therefore a just reward because he really owns all of his characters and he should be getting... Better recompense. He's always been able to work at his own pace, choose what he wants to work on. And so that's a lot of what we talked about was not only, I love your work, but more like, you're, you are indeed a legendary creator. You've been in the industry for, for 50 years now. It was a delight. It was, and, and I kept checking around me to make sure I wasn't stopping other fans from getting their chance, stopping somebody from buying things right, he had on right. his table. I bought my share. So I guess I earned a little bit of time with him, but it was more, and I don't know, one of those things where, halfway through he like asked me what my name was cuz we were having a really nice conversation and then when i saw him speak at a panel and he was boy a lot of the panels were pretty much a moderator and a bunch of people and the moderator says okay everybody line up at the um mic and ask questions and he actually had a presentation to do he walked through here's what story is here's how you have to do nice. your set things up get to a resolution you have to have your characterization you have to have Lightning of the conflict and like he really showed off no wonder his stories read so well because he really gets like the three-act play structure or he really gets the hero's journey or various different like stereotype is not the right word conventions that people use in the storytelling industry and, and recognize me when we were in the room and so it's like i'm nobody but it's very cool to to just have made enough of an impression, I, I with Jim Steranko, with Ray Bradbury, with somebody, and <laughs> have I told this story already about uh, Glorianne Gilbert? <laughs> then ring a bell. It's in. in this is very funny. I had I went to a lot of comic cons when I was younger, and often they had back then what, what they would often call, call a glamour section. It was ladies who had posed for Playboy or ladies that were scream queens in the b movies and stuff like that and Gloria ann gilbert is one of them beautiful uh you know big eyes buxom just but the sweetest lady so uh gary and i met her at chicago comic-con it was a similar situation where we were talking for a long time and so then we we, we became friends as much as you can with a celebrity if you will so we then go to the detroit metro con if i remember right and uh We're walking towards the booth, and and she's really beautiful. So there's just a whole flock of fans all wanting to be near her, curry her favor. She really likes uh, Tigger from uh, um, Winnie the Pooh and stuff like that. So a whole bunch of people were like, they had little offerings to give to their goddess. They had these little things. And Gary and I walk up, and she goes, oh, hi, Al. (laughs) And all the fanboys are like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) The goddess knows his name. And Gary just like turns to her and goes, fuck you, man. She <laughs> remembered Gary too, but it was just, she's the one that said all perkily, hi, Al. Right. And so that's just my silliest, odd, satisfying fan story yeah. is that this beautiful lady, and just when anybody like, would anybody remember me of the ones I've had really nice talks with? I talked, boy, I've had great opportunities by having been around a while. I talked to Ray Bradbury. I talked to Marty Nodell, uh, who created you know the original Green Lantern. Um, Gene Colan and Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and, and all these people over the course of time. And I've never been in the industry, so they have no reason to know me. I can't get them work, but it's out of my hey, I'm a pretty big guy, and if I wear my black coat, <laughs> I make a big impression, and so sometimes that has happened, and even th- when I didn't wear the black coat, because it was, it's, you know, April going on May, and beautiful outside here in Cleveland, but back when it was like January, February, I would walk around, and they were like, so what cosplay are you doing, because if I have this big black leather duster, it right. looks like I have a sawed-up shotgun ready to bring up and clear the room, they're ask you. I need to put some pins in my neck. Yeah, you know? that's Actually, pretty good. You can do an voice pretty well. You could not. Secretly, she <laughs> yearned for my return.
0: You know that. On <laughs> a quick aside, <laughs> and then we'll go back to Fan Expo. Out of all the franchises and pop culture stuff that I love and really enjoy, I really think Highlander is due for a good remake, a good redo of the story. I love the. The mythology and stuff of it but that that first movie i always thought was a little eh. i honestly like the series better than i like the movies
1: so well, see the first movie to me is really great that's probably my most re-watched movie really they, the second one was a
0: terrible oh season. god
1: no I, the,
0: the second doesn't exist let's not i do have the <laughs> renegade version of it but it doesn't right, really the help. Director
1: tried to fix things up I, this is no lie a whole bunch of us in Chicago had loved the first movie so the second one's coming out and half a dozen eight of us get together to go see this movie and relive the joy and we were at a restaurant after the movie and we're like looking up at each other going <laughs> we're traumatized how bad was that was it really as bad as I thought it was yes it was terrible right, I yeah, I've never had a bigger contrast between expectation oh. and devastatingly worse than I thought it could be The Highlander and The Crow are both,
0: I love both those movies, but every time I see them, even the very first time, I'm like, it just seems like there needs, they they didn't give it enough love that it, it could have been better. I see the potential is what I think it is. Both of them, I think, could have been better than they were. Not that they were horrible. The Crow is getting remade. I'm hoping they give a lot of love to Highlander. I would love to see that as a more modern movie. I think it could be fantastic. But what you were saying about the fan, all the artists, I think a lot of people miss that. That If you're going to stand in line and see some of the big names, all you're getting is a quick picture, an autograph, and they have no idea who you are 10 seconds later. They don't care. You don't hear stories. You don't talk to them. Whereas right. you go outside, go into artist alley. Now, there are some artists there that nobody knows because they're new, they're young, they're struggling. They're not even working for the big companies But sometimes they have some really good insights. They have some really good stories or they're like, wow, this looks really cool. Like a source point, which has been around for a while. Colin knows of them. I'm looking at their books going, these are great. I spent way too much money on some of their games and picked those up. But talking to some of these people and you hear some great stories and then when they do become bigger, they remember you not saying do it for devious reasons, but it's nice To know that you saw something in them. And for me, for my other podcast, The Discovered Wordsmiths, I went around and there's a lot of authors there. Some of these authors may not be great. Some of them may not go anywhere. Some of them are just doing it part time. But I got to connect with them. And there was an author who was the very first independent author that I ever ran across and bought his books. And he was there with new books and he's going to be on my podcast. So that's six, seven years ago. So it's there's, don't dismiss that. Don't bypass it. There's a lot of good out there.
1: And thank you that you're exactly right. Some part, we, one of the reasons (laughs) we talk about, Hey, names that people might know because we're trying to do the podcast for the masses, but I, ever since, boy, I one of the joys of going to Comic-Cons in Chicago after I was working was I had money. In high school, I was so cunning with, you know, I'm going to buy the 80-cent comic book in lesser condition because it's all I can afford. And once you had a little bit of money, then I really could not only fill in my collection, and, and that's when you were really haunted, the boxes and stuff like that, but whenever they had independence, whenever they had new people, I've always, and I even used this term at the end of last show, I've always wanted to be like a, man. Right. like with my money I can put seeds into all these people and let them know Dirk Manning I really like your stuff I'm happy to sponsor you on Kickstarter I'm going to buy all the books I see here You've talked about it with um Tom You know what I mean with with uh, Love and Capes Ted Sakura. We both discovered him independently but early yep. And so now he's three different series in and had a nice booth right across from Mike Grell as a matter of fact So that was fun And um I've got some stuff from Travis Horseman that you Often they'll have their, not only their newest stuff, but they'll have back things. And I, if I like how they describe their stories, sometimes they really don't have that good elevator sales pitch. They, they can't really describe what makes this interesting and different, unique even compared to the rest of the industry. And I'll go through the art and I must admit, fan art, amateurish art doesn't do anything for me. I really like it where they're more accomplished. But I found well, I must have spent a couple hundred bucks probably those kinds of things there's a series called white lilies that is about like female pilots and it had to get, it was in, it was in contention court-wise for a while. Finally, he won his characters back. I'm sorry, his name is not coming to me, but the fifth issue was finally out and I had bought the first four issues at the previous comic-con three years ago. So it's like the end of the story and itch I can finally scratch. Yes. I wanted that issue. And in fact, I want your newest work as well. So it really is a delight. And also the, legends if you will they do get a certain amount of traffic they're acknowledged mm-hmm. some of the new guys they, it must just hurt to have everybody kind of like glance over not necessarily be into the comics or that brand of comics or whatever they have as their displays it just doesn't appeal to people and as any kind of artist performer or otherwise boy you have to live that life of rejection whatever yeah. you put your love into it might not be to somebody else's taste and that kind of has to hurt to just have hundreds of people walk by I try to make a point, of, tell me about your stuff. You know what I mean? And if, it's, if there's anything cool about it, I usually buy it because I'm yeah. happy to support those folks. You know it, what I mean? It, so. it is difficult.
0: <laughs> you can spend the whole day going from booth to booth and yeah. spend a lot of money. There is a point where it's like, okay, I can't get everything. But it's so good to see so many uh, new artists, new writers, new comics. I usually make a point to look at the books because of, I do the book podcast. I'm a writer and see if they look interesting to me. I might pick them up. I look for the new comics. It's just some are not, <laughs> I'm like looking at, yeah, this isn't yeah. going to, but some the are the
1: big studios haven't picked up on your talent yet is because you still need work. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know I
0: mean? Yeah. But, but like Source Point, mm-hmm. they had good books. Ted, that I, when I discovered him, I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this is amazing. And there's a few others I'll I'll sample. There was another one there, Keystone Comics or something like that, which looked interesting. I picked up a couple. He's like, you can get this. I'm like, yeah, I I can only afford to get a couple right now.
1: Let Let me me do the sampler pack. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll
0: give you a couple bucks. Let me check it out. If it's good, then other people will find that it's good. You'll be around. And the next time I see you, I'll want more. I, there's got to be a balance and we've only got so much
1: wall space for pictures and stuff this is funny as i because there's so many different fandoms there it really is a dangerous place for me money wise cuz i am relatively omnivorous but it's really satisfying somehow to be able to just say i don't like funko pop stuff of almost any kind the little figures with the big heads and just it so much doesn't do anything for me like those they just don't work for me so I get to be like, I'm going to walk right past this without a moment caring. Right. And it's wow. I actually, I could, there are some things there that I can dismiss. I'm not going to be buying any swords anytime soon. So Every <laughs> swordware store, every, they have all kinds of um, art things. You can get coasters with all the various different characters and logos on it. You can get cosplay things and it's, and knowing that I want to do the entire floor, but knowing that if I started at one, I'd make it to like number 15 before I was like, oh, out of money. You know yeah, I mean? right. So it's actually nice to be able to say I just don't care about um album covers that they've pasted something else onto. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah.
0: <laughs> cool and that some people don't like it. There's some okay, there's so many things that are cool. And the swords, I do like swords. I studied sword for a while, and okay. so when I see a bunch of swords, I I want to look at them but reality what do i need to get a sword and put it up on my wall i could spend less money and get five books that i'm going to read and enjoy for hours like yeah that. but but there are some people that's like i love weaponry i collect weaponry i'm buying these why would i get a book that's good that's it Absolutely. fits everybody
1: but Thank you. that's i i said that poorly it's only it isn't that these aren't good it's that they don't matter to me <laughs> And that exactly. somebody else are going to be like, Oh my God, I've never seen so many cool Ray guns in one place. I can have my pick of Ray gun. That's just perfect for them. But you that's
0: know? the beauty of it. Now the more popular pop culture is that there's something for everybody that everybody can find something they like. I used to go when there were like five kids going with me, older teenage kids. And it's yeah. How much money are we spending today? Good thing I left the credit card at home. But I That's joked right. about that with Lang- Langley, Travis. I'm like, yeah, I told my son I should have left my credit card at home. Here, give me your books. <laughs> and like the one, though, some of these people aren't looking for a lot. There, Did you see the Deadpool Uber guy? Yes. <laughs> I got pictures with him. And it was so much fun because, oh my gosh, he looks like Deadpool. He's driving a Deadpool car, car and he's an exactly. Uber driver. So you can request <laughs> Uber Deadpool to pick you up. I'm like, I would he soon found do his that. Niche. He's
1: found yeah. his perfect. Exactly. Another thing, and this is funny, for all the things, I found bargains. I found things like, hey, I can get the entire set. Uh, I don't know, they're $15 each, but you can get all three of them for $30. So I'll get that set of collected editions. Other things were... So there's usually a huge t-shirt booth. They have 200 different t-shirt designs hanging up high and all that kind of stuff, all different kinds of sizes. And then you see t-shirt 25 bucks or two for 48. Oh, thanks for knocking a whole dollar off of two shirts. If I buy two right. and 25 bucks for a t-shirt, I, you know what I mean? I like, we go to Mark's nearby and I get muscle shirts like this for four or five bucks. It's weird. I get that there must be for logo licensing type stuff, but they don't have everything licensed there. They have all kinds oh, of little yeah. <laughs> hey, and I know things, and all the kind of stuff. And so to have that whole the one tide raises all boats, that I don't want to apply that to things where it's maybe logo merchandise is twenty five, but everything else is ten because those t-shirts don't cost that. Any, the hey. automated silk screening they do nowadays, and so I really don't like that. There's that kind of price inflation. I think what goes on there is it's like jewelry, right? It doesn't matter the utility of it. It matters that something catches your eye and you really want exactly that stone in that shape and that kind of stuff. And it's all about emotion. And so there's little Billy walking along and he sees the Deadpool t-shirt and he has to have it. And dad's going to shell out 25 instead of 10 because he wants to make his son happy. But I used to go there and come out with the $6 t-shirt type thing. There's a site site called $6 t-shirts I'd get. All kinds of, you know, science fiction quotes, comic book quotes, comic book characters, and and not spend a ton of money. So that weirdness of I get I get how swords, something like rot, should be expensive. Really, a commodity thing like t-shirt, and you're finding a way to charge Wagyu beef prices for it? That's not right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's the. It's the uh amusement park you you go into it thinking oh it's everything's gonna be expensive i'm gonna spend money and it lessens that and people just do it and it's that thing it's that guy's getting 25 a t-shirt i'm gonna get 25 a t-shirt okay i guess but i yeah i'm like you i don't go looking for the stuff i'm gonna spend tons of money on books the comics some of the art i might find some old collectible I'm like oh yeah I haven't seen that I'd love to grab it or colin's at that age where I have no bills no real responsibilities and I have some extra spending cash
1: and this he is gets, out of all the year here's where I'm going to have my sweetest spot for finding those things
0: <laughs> Yeah he's gotten into the turtles lately and he bought uh they remade some of the old toys they use the same molds but they're recasting them and putting them out now mm, so you got yeah. the turtles party van And I'm like, dude, that's the plastic toy truck that looks like crap. And he goes, no, it's cool. Look at it. And I'm like, okay, you're five again. That's great. So
1: I have to say this. We've mentioned I don't go get any celebrity um, autographs or photos because I just can't believe that I'm going to pay 60 bucks for a minute interaction and somehow prove that I've met the cast of clerks or something like that. It just doesn't do anything for me. There's other people that so we've mentioned a couple. I went to see John Delancey talk, you know, who was. and really he's a great actor he's been in all kinds of shakespearean things he's got that great voice he's the only guy we're at a we're at the talk that he's giving and there's hundreds of people in the room and i hold my camera up to get a picture of him and he goes no put that away and really you're that camera shy or are you that mercenary about i gotta go pay for your photo at the photo op right i didn't know which one it was but having read the sign about if you agree to be here, then you agree to have your picture taken. Oh, but celebrities have a different stratification you see. And I just, that's the only bad interaction of that kind that I had the entire show. And so sadly it was John Delancey who I was ready to like much more than I did. (laughs) It was like, really? in this world of everyone has a cell phone that you're going to be the one that tries to monitor who's allowed to take your picture. That ship has left the dock long ago. everybody took pictures anyway
0: so yeah well and and, and see i think i could be totally wrong i don't know him that well i wasn't gonna get to know him that well but just from the way he was talking i took it more as a okay look we don't need pictures i want to talk to you guys i took it more as a don't interrupt everything by taking pictures let's talk that's how i took it, but maybe not.
1: I don't know. and actually, if it would have been that I was holding it up taping, then I could see, put the phone down. you've been holding it up, taping me for three minutes. All I really wanted like everybody else was take snapshot, touch, touch my little photo button. and I guess I didn't think he gave me even that interaction yeah. of is he gonna be a taper or is he gonna be just a snapshotter? Oh you were right there. you know what I mean? I just thought yeah. that was like and after all, I'm like, I'm not in the front row, taking a shot up your nostrils. I'm not trying to get you in any compromising position. I'm like back in row six next to the questions, Mike. Oh, oh, he was, yeah. like I said, he was the only one that I had that weird, and, I don't know. I,
0: and, and that's the other thing. Sometimes these things, you almost don't want to go to some of these with big names like that because come on folks, really the question you need to ask him is what was your favorite Star Trek episode? my god he's probably said that on other interviews go listen to the damn youtube for five minutes and ask a better question
1: (laughs) i it really is weird i agree maybe this is their first chance they've always wanted to meet him and they're shy and they're nervous and that kind of stuff and yet you really don't ask the question that you must have been asked 100 yeah there's just nothing to be gained for the audience and i don't know they used to be okay everybody get up there ask one question because there's a line behind you and nowadays people always do that They like, i have two questions right at which point the moderator should say no you have one question give everybody else a chance because or, or almost always people standing in line at the mic when they had to call it for the day yeah and this guy being a motor mouth meant somebody else didn't get their chance or the
0: ones right. like you know that picard episode if you analyze it with the way q was looking at this scene here and there's our every time people ask questions like that the actors go Yeah, I have no clue because we recorded that scene 10 times and we recorded them out of order on different days. I I haven't even seen the show. I just do my job, man. You can tell me better than that. If you look at the way they filmed you from the side and your face, it's hinting that it could be like,
1: shut the hell up. Nobody cares, man. Dave Sim, who draws Cerebus long ago, I I wish I could quote it exactly, but it was that kind of thing where a guy had some very specific question about is this anatomically correct? And he just kind of stared at the guy for a minute and said, man, what's well, it's comics. It's like the Shatner's famous skit from SNL where it's like, I, I, you know, I, I don't, and, but then when, of course when they find out that now that they've had a 50 years worth of fandom and they've come around to loving those people, but they really are the ones that are going to be, ha ha, I got you with some ridiculous question and what you just said. Man, that was 30 years ago. I don't remember what I had breakfast today how am I going to remember my exact the cast of my face uh, we're a little (laughs) spoiled
0: though because we've sat with long conversations with Bill Keith who writes as Ian Douglas and you know now it's nothing I've been to the man's house I've had food that was cooked on his stove sitting at his (laughs) table so you get a different perspective and He's really big and a lot of people like, oh my god, his new book's out, gotta get it. Cause I remember calling at school, they were talking sci-fi and they were talking authors, and he said, Oh yeah, I know Ian Douglas, it's Bill Keith. I've been to his house, and everybody's like, yeah. and he's like, Yeah. So it, it you get a little different perspective, but again, go with the, the out go to the alleyways sometimes, the places everybody else isn't. That's how we met Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca. We okay. were walking around. It was basically an artist's alley. And I looked over and I'm like, that's Peter Mayhew. I'm like, why is he not behind the big curtain that I'm not going to <laughs> where Mark exactly. Hamill is? And I walked over and said, do you mind if we get a picture? Like, no, please. Come on. Nobody was talking to the man, probably yeah. because they didn't have the fur face on.
1: Not recognizable without the Wookiee right. get up. You know and what I mean? My yeah. kids
0: still remember talking to him for 20 minutes. And it- his wife's three foot tall or something. And it is very funny. And he was telling us stories and just talk, talking. And the time, the couple of times I met Dean Hagland, because there wasn't as many people around, not as many people in line to talk to him. I got to talk to him longer and he remembered me. And we had a good conversation. And he told me about this movie that this place up in Winnipeg treats it as like this big holiday uh, takeoff work event. and. And we had a conversation about it. Those are much more memorable. He actually mentioned me on his podcast. Come on. Nobody that stood in line for Shatner. Did he even (laughs) mention that night at dinner? So I think that's (laughs) such a better interaction. Again, the smaller one, Grell, who you and Colin both got to talk to for a long time. It's just, I I guess that I'm hoping the people that listen to us babble every week are the type that would enjoy talking to these people more in depth, not just, Oh,
1: I got a picture. Look, Shatner. Woo. In fact, you know, it's kind of funny. I want to almost go back like through the podcast now and say, folks, the reason that we were there, I wasn't there to cozy up to celebrities. It's because I love their work. The fact that Grell has brought like memorable, indispensable things into this world. The, the, the longbow hunters, the perfect green arrow story, the, like just ted sakura creating a whole cleveland-based world with a pama and tap dance killer and punchline and, and bloom now and all that kind of cool stuff it's really wonderful i just have such regard for creativity you know what i mean the world puts nowadays filling 500 channels 24 7 there's so much pap out there there's so yeah. much for Rena. and to have someone that really has a better vision or fantastic drawing skills or just turns a phrase that forever else forever after, you're going to make use of. I just have such admiration for that. And so my chance to meet them is more than anything else, that chance to say thank you, that I remember reading that story and just the world faded away. You had me in this wonderful alternate world when you go to Scarterus with Warlord, with Mike Grell, and he draws realistic, realistic looking dinosaurs, and every prehistoric fern looks just right and stuff like that. I love that. I love the fact that people right. have that ability to, to transport me. And yeah, what I'm doing is who do I get to say thank you for yeah. this? The, I, when you when you hear it, the guy from Animaniacs did the continuation of the country's song, because since that first came out, the world has transformed. So with the fall of the Soviet Union, there's a whole bunch of new stands. And to hear in that wonderful Yak, I think it's Yakov that does it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just... It's the coolest thing. In fact, I got a video of that. That's one of the few videos that I took because he said he was going to do it. And was like the the Grateful Dead used to do. Okay, bootleggers, roll those tapes. (laughs) It it was just very cool to have these people be so vital and so much when you hear in the voice from Squidward or something like that. I don't know. There's a wonderful connection there to my youth, my mid-age, my now of how they've contributed to the world. And right. it's just very cool to
0: I, I think that's kind of you know? the, the whole ramble. What it boils down to is that there's more than just the biggest names. There's more than the headliners. And there's yeah. a lot of people that have made everything we love that don't always get the recognition they deserve. And there's some really great people, really great art and stories and things they'll talk about that get missed. I think some people miss that. I think that's more of the point. Spending your time in line because you wanted to see Rooker and Shatner, great. But really what you got out of the interaction was really not much more than you could get out of watching a YouTube inter- interview. And there, there's better memories. For me, that's what it boils down to. That's the point is. Better memories, better interaction. You could, you said, oh my God, I loved Langley. I got the pick on Dean Haglund as Langley. Come on, I would <laughs> never get that opportunity with Rooker or Shatner.
1: But the I got to make references and stuff. That's right. yeah, I got to make
0: a joke and pick on Haglund, and he laughed about it. So that's what I love. That's the great part.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, I saved my best for last. Uh-oh. Besides Uh-oh. meeting the cool celebrities, I really like Mark Shepard. I really like John Delancey. I went to a panel that was, it was comic book people and it was Howard Mackey and Brian Azzarello and Michael Gilbert and Peter Tomasi. Wow. And between the four of them, they've done thousands of pages that i've loved they did fantastic uh hundred bullets and green lantern and mr monster and ghost rider and spider-man 10 years of spider-man and as artists as writers as editors as they're the guys that like you go to the marvel retreat and they're the ones that come up with the cool ideas they're the ones that they don't have sometimes they talk about hey we did a they got to start doing like a fill-in an eight-page story in one of the Spotlight titles, but they show off that they can do it. And then if you have that a ten-year run, how long did hundred bullets last? Like a hundred issues, yeah. And it wasn't just; it seemed like that he had a plot for all of that all along. That he knew the conclusion he was going to come to, and he knew what characters were going to reintroduce and what their story arcs were going to be. And that's like a magnum opus. A hundred issues of something is really uh, like beyond any novel I've read. That's if it comes out monthly, that's, let's see, divided by 12, eight years worth of consistently doing great dialogue, great plot pacing, great character management, and just a fantastic work. And like I said, if you started to name, what villains did they introduce? What changes did they make? I really like Peter Tomasi's artwork, and then when you find out that he was and then he became a writer and actually had been an editor before all that usual a different trajectory than usual. Often you kind of like work as a journeyman and then you become an editor because now they think what makes good things for that. And so you're going to help all the up and comers, if you will. And there's some people that actually had done the other thing. And they said, I'm tired of managing anybody else's stuff. I just want to create, I just want to draw. And so that the discussion and the quality of the questions asked of them and how each of them gave each other space and time to talk about I worked for the big studios. I worked as an independent. I've been in and out of that. What was it like Brian Azzarello did a great sequence in Wonder Woman that like the next writer pretty much said dream sequence never happened. You want know I mean? to honestly and it 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 really well, how galling is that? You're that that sounds like the, the last 3 Star Wars movies. Uh, yeah. You know is Clone Wars really, you uh, know is the Rebellion really continuity how is who's in charge of making all that hang together is it I don't know As a fan who has read all those things for 55 of my years, I love the long game. I love where you can really see that people got the characters that they did, their own innovations and transformations and that kind of stuff, and that the level of quality was high. A number of people commented about, if you were working 70s, 80s, and you got into the 90s, and all of a sudden, every comic book was 20, 24 pages, but it was splash pages, and it was all about the artist and like you had to be alan moore uh, brian michael bendis they had to be like a star to break out as a writer because all the McFarlands and Liefelds and everybody else were lifeliefel were like ascendant and i thought when they were trying to do their own writer artist thing that their book sucked I never read a McFarlane book. It was like, oh, that's some of the best Spider-Man stories ever told. Yeah, early images. (laughs) Exactly. And all the character creation wasn't in service to the story. It was more, if I create this character and I have the rights, then I can make action figures and cha-ching. And it seemed really transparent to me that they weren't We were working in the field to do that character becomes an action figure becomes a lunchbox maybe gets optioned for a movie there was they had discovered they their money multiple of them from image are millionaires because they retain the rights to their characters and good for them because there's all kinds of great writers and artists that worked in obscurity at work for higher wages and like they might be able to sell their original art and otherwise they get no benefit from the fact that they did some of the best Fantastic Four stories ever. Yeah. Some of the best Justice League stories ever, et cetera, et cetera. Also, anyway, I like I said, that was a heavyweight panel. There was more talent sitting at that table I, I than, love those. than the whole rest of the con. Yeah. Really cool.
0: <laughs> I love those. Uh, I, again, the best thing is there really is something for everybody. Even the things that we may disparage and say, eh, that's not the best. There's people that are like, oh, my God, if an expo, I can go do blah. And it's exactly what they want, but that's that is overall the best thing. Is it fits so many people, fits everybody. There's something for you if you're into that in some way. And they even had the the outside stage with cosplayers and with the the singing. And I'm walking through, and I'm like, "Wow, that's you're awful brave (laughs) getting on stage." Let me tell you, especially in our world, all for all the the things that drive me crazy about today's life, there. The kids are basically having it beat into them to be much more accepting of other people, their interests, their styles than what we grew up with. You're a nerd, you read comic books, ah, we're gonna make fun of you and beat on you and chase you and take your lunch money crap. And now it's like, oh, you like to dress up as a furry fox, cool. Oh, you're a guy and you wanna dress up as that girl superhero, cool. Oh, you look like a 400 pound Wonder Woman, that's great oh, you're really a guy, even better. They're much more accepting of all of that, which I think is great. We're just, yeah. we hit the wrong time period.
1: It's funny. The only criticisms I had about that kind of thing wasn't, hey, that's the wrong, I don't know, sex color height. You didn't even put any work into your costume. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, crayon I mean, on the I mean, way here. Come on. Those aren't the right fishnets for uh, Black Canary. You know, she <laughs> did not wear textured stockings. She wears fishnets, So that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you're right. And I, I think that's
0: great. I'm not a big cosplayer. Grab something. But there are some people, man, they put time into those things and they look good. Yeah. And it's. Hey, I'm really never going to get a picture next to Paul Rudd looking like the Hulk because it's CG, but you look like the Hulk. Let's get a picture. Exactly. I had my my Chewbacca shirt and walking in, I had Mando and a Wookiee. And did you see that Wookiee walking around? He was like close to seven foot tall. He
1: was the nice, exactly. Oh my gosh.
0: And he's my, he pointed to my shirt for the picture. It wasn't Chewbacca because it didn't have the bandolier. It had a Uh, little steampunk-looking goggles. So I'm not sure who he was. He looked good, though. So
1: yeah, some good... I went to, on Saturday night, the climax of the show for me was the big Cosplay Championship Cup. And instead of being everybody, they'd already had like auditions pre-screening by the various different judges. And so the quality was very high. They had a guy that looked like Hellboy, like Ron Perlman stepped out of his costume and this guy wore it. They had Moon Knight, where he starts off in the fist of Khonshu full cape outfit and then does the breakaway. And he's the businessman suit with the tight white mask. Mr. That was very impressive. That's cool. Um, And uh, a good Elsa from frozen, uh, all kinds of things that looked very authentic. And most of the, that had three judges that are well-known in the cosplay world. And so they, they did the judging to give who was going to be each a, a judge's award. And then the final things. And the only thing, That I thought was sometimes the judges are so admiring of the craft of things that they don't get that the impression that it makes is spectacular and they need some love. There was a woman there in a Phoenix costume, like Artlet is not um, Phoenix like Jean Grey, though it could be, but just wingspan 10 feet wide, red, yellow, orange, feathers, um, articulating wings. So they went out and she just looked fantastic up on stage. Got no love from the judges. Whereas a video game character that was like really boring, gray, green, little helmet, nothing to it, except apparently it was sewn perfectly, then the people that are really into you're a good seamstress or seamster, if that's the guy term, that they were much more admiring of the craft that went into it, but not really of the impression that it made. No matter how much you make a Doctor Who shawl look perfect, it's still just a Doctor Who shawl in some ways, and so if you right. have the full Doctor Who outfit on, that matters more than the perfect shawl.
0: Right. You know right. Anyway,
1: anyway, not a, a little, but just that to, to see the level of care some and they, they oftentimes had. You know, they have the person come across the stage, and they have a, a woman doing the voiceover as to how they had described. Some people have worked on this costume for like three years. There's hundreds of individual. Little rhinestones on it, or a little applique. You know, someone looked at a, a big moving, shambling mound like not quite swamp thing. Because I wish I knew exactly what the character was. But wow, there's so many things on there that <laughs> it's like it's the overall impression is of fecundity and growth, yeah, and the power of nature and stuff like that. But man, did that take a lot. It must be heavy to wear. It got so much yeah. stuff on it. That <laughs> Must be that you got like a hundred pounds that you're dragging around. I went
0: to something so. a couple of years ago. It was an outdoor festival. I don't even remember where it was, what it was for. But I remember there's one guy that had a Warhammer 40K outfit. Now, it wasn't just something he wore. He had to get on a ladder to step into the leg part of it. And people had to feel, because he had four underneath him. Then they had to get the lower, the, the shield part or the arm chest part over top of him, stuck his arms through, and then he must've grabbed something they slid arms on. So when he was done, he was 10 foot tall with every piece exactly. in proportion. And then he walked around like that. And I'm that's like, right. wow, that's, I, I'm, I'm not even a Warhammer guy. That looks cool as hell.
1: <laughs> you know? Exactly. They had a couple of, um, where they had to actually get help on and off the stage because one lady was walking on stilts and apparently either on steps or on a ramp. Neither one of those is easy. So they had to give her a hand to make sure that, and I don't know, very fun. And wide variety of fandoms represented. Yeah. So it's another one of those things like, wow, it's not just competing in the comic book world. It really is the video game world and the Harry Potter world and the, and yeah. the, the animation world. Really cool. For those yeah. who are going to put the time into it, I hope that they're not only up on stage there, but that everywhere they went on the show floor, people said, hey, can I get a picture? Because they were absolutely top of the game really well
0: done and and it is a little bit of everything for everybody and and if you're looking for collectibles you're looking to get a few books and comics and it's there it's you'll probably find it not as big as new york or san diego obviously but yeah pretty good
1: exactly so that's like our one of our few One topic episodes ever, yeah. but there was so much cool stuff to be seen at this con. So like I said, that really was the last thing I did before COVID erupted around the nation. And I was really worried. I had actually already been wearing a mask and being careful about not being too close to other people and stuff like that. And it wasn't like N95 masks. I think I have a bandana on. But already there were all the reports. And I was thinking, this is a super spreader event. They didn't even call it then. But if you're looking for where this thing could be transmitted, there's people coming from all over the United States, or at least all over a 10 state region. And they're going to be in close quarters, and they're going to be laughing and eating together. And it just was, I was very happy I did not come home with anything. Because when you're sitting at a table eating uh, lunch with everybody else, and someone coughs, it's like, bastard, you shouldn't be here. If you were at all sick, you should not have come to this con. What did you do this for? Luckily, nothing happened because of that. But soon thereafter, everything shut down.
0: Yeah, and it's nice to have them back. I'm sure there'll be more coming up. There's other festivals and fairs and stuff that I always like to go to. Mothman and things.
1: In fact, I was heartened, maybe even as a closer, there's Victor, uh, a guy that does, there's two main moderators or interviewees and MCs on the stage and stuff like that. And I've gotten to know them. And he asked, why wasn't I presenting? And I said, well, I got things going on in California and I couldn't coordinate exact time-wise. And he goes, we're starting up again. Uh, send me an email, you know what I mean? And so we will be able, I think we have enough of a, a in that we'll be able to do our podcast next time. We'll be able cool. to do talks next time, that kind of stuff. So it's just, they're hungry for programs. You know what I mean? As much as they had a full schedule, lots of different tracks and stuff like that, that thing of people actually talking about the history of comics and hey, 60-year-old Al, that really, the way that he first got me involved was, I was at a panel and someone asked a question and I gave an answer from the audience. I think I told you this. And they said, why don't you come up here and sit with us? <laughs> and nice. that was, but it really was. I knew a ton about what they were talking about and I was articulate and playful and all those other kind of things. And after that, they all. If you want to join the, the team here, we'd be happy to have you. Thank you so much. I have no shame. That's I cool. Cool. So that's a bunch of years ago, but nice.
0: yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, definitely. That sounds good. I've got to. I've mentioned it how many times. I've actually started looking a little more. But we got to get some T-shirts going, man. Our line of T-shirts with some of the ideas
1: we've tossed back and forth exactly and thought. Exactly that. If we we have to. <laughs> funny if we go through our episodes and see do we have any um bon mots any Bomo's that we've said that are memorable we could have a whole bunch of have a dozen different relentless geekery things with little sayings or geekware or whatever we want to do and i don't know i don't want to be chained to a booth but right. we could do something that at the podcast we also say hey and i think you're not allowed to really do that is to sell it that we'd have to think of what we want to do i don't know that i I would want to do it to build the brand. I'd want to yeah. do it to get word out that we exist. And maybe we'll be the people that leave the little cards on the tables where people eat saying, Hey, tune into Relentless Geekery and and get, I don't know, get our numbers up, get people listening to yeah. us and contributing. Hey, have you talked about this yet? It would it would be fun to, I don't know, who who doesn't want to have more people enjoying what we're doing. You I know agree. what I mean? So yeah. okay. Cool, That's man. Good. All, All right. right. As always, take care. Have a great week. You too. I'll talk to you later
0: you have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week